Welcome to Big Time Adulting, the podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Murray, and I'm here to take it deep with you on adulthood, womanhood, motherhood, and whatever other things end in hood that we can think of. It's going to be real, it's going to be honest, and we are going to laugh until a little pee comes out. If you've been looking to find a podcast to relate to as a woman and a mom, and you're kind of awesome, which you definitely are, subscribe now. Oh boy, uh, didn't realize I had hit record yet. Here we go. <laughs> Welcome back to the Big Time Adulting Podcast. This week's episode is a conglomerate of topics I talked about on my stories like a week and a half ago, um, or I asked, I did a poll asking people what they would want me to talk about, and three things came back. One was Phyllis, uh, the ghost who lives in our house. Two was laser hair removal, which I recently had done, and three was anxiety. So I am just going to launch into those three little topics in um, in order of appearance. Number one, Phyllis. Phyllis, like I said, is the ghost who lives in my house. Now, Phyllis lived in my house before we bought it and she died there and she didn't just live there before us. She also built the house. So she was the original owner and architect, you know, architect, whatever she built with an architect of the house. She actually lived there with her husband, Bob. And, um, she really desperately wanted to have a family, but she, uh, could not have, they could not have children. So our neighbors, uh, have, who knew Phyllis personally and well have told us how, happy Phyllis would be if she, um, that a family was living in, in her house, which she like be loved. She loved this house. Now Phyllis will do things in the house, which, which make us think that she's still here with us. She'll close doors. Um, she will flicker lights all over the place. Like it's not like on and off necessarily, but they're flickering all the time. There is a fan that is on our outdoor screened-in porch, which is often mysteriously turned on. Like throughout the winter when no one's been out there, the fan will just be on. And one night, like I smelled the strong smell of toast coming from the kitchen in the middle of the night. And I actually got out of bed and went down to the kitchen to see if everything was okay. But I was like, that is Phyllis. I could just feel her there that day. And... In this house, I should say, in the town that we live in, there's like so, all, most of the old houses that get bought end up getting like torn down rather than renovated or restored. And we decided to renovate the house and restore it rather than we, uh, we were never planning to rebuild it. We liked it the way it was, but it just needed work because no one had really touched it since Phyllis, uh, you know, designed it in 1968. So it needed a few facelifts, if you will. And it's lovely and we like it how it is, but we think that Phyllis is definitely still there with us. And she was apparently also quite a pistol. She was a cool lady. She was an artist. Her, she had a big studio that was actually now our playroom and that's the door that closes most often on its own, which is cray cray. Um, but I think she likes that my kids are playing in her office, in her studio. And she worked uh, for 
Glamour magazine. She went to NYU and Parsons School of Design. And we actually bought a couple of her paintings from a woman, an art dealer in our town who had some of her paintings that were left behind in the house. So we have a few of Phyllis's pieces. She does these cool sketches of like women's hands. And like there's one of this man who's got no shirt on on a couch laying down and he looks kind of sexy. And I was like, oh, damn, Phyllis. Damn. Um, but anyway, I just think she was probably a very interesting woman and, uh, she did a lot in our community and she was very active. She was, she was born in 1927. So to have accomplished these things and, and worked for Glamour Magazine and, uh, Condé Nast publications in New York city would be kind of a big deal of a woman that age. And she loved, we have a lot of geese that fly by our house and she called them the honkers and they were her favorite. They're really not my favorite. I feel like they are kind of ugly and they poop a lot. Um, but you know, they have cool migration patterns and flight patterns. So I can respect Phyllis's, uh, adoration of them anyway. Whatever. That's really it. That's Phyllis. If anything else weird happens with Phyllis, I will let you know on my Instagram stories. But Phyllis, we love you. Don't leave. You can stay. You're our friendly ghost. Topic number two, laser hair removal. So let me just kick this off by saying I had been thinking about I got, I got laser hair removal probably two weeks ago for my first time ever, but I had been thinking about getting laser hair removal for like 15 years. I don't know. It's been weighing on me. When will I get laser hair removal? Can I stand the pain of laser hair removal? What is the process of hair, laser hair removal like? And I did it. I fucking did it. And I was like so proud of myself to have finally checked that off of my to-do list. Like I think first I was like being lazy about, I'm kind of lazy about taking time out to get stuff like that done for myself. Like self-care is laser hair removal now put in the self-care category. Fuck that. Um, but whatever that, and also terrified of having a fucking laser on my lady bits, right? So who wouldn't be a little bit weary of that? And I've heard stories from friends who have had it. It was either like, you know, not that big of a deal. It didn't really bother me. Or it was literally the most painful thing of their life, like worse than childbirth. So you get this extreme range of experiences. And I'll just tell you that my experience, okay, first I'll describe the process. So the process is this, you go in, you know, you get naked from the belly button down, you're porky pigging it there, you're on like a, you know, a doctor's office type of table chair thing, you're lying down, you've got your legs kind of spread apart or up in the air, whatever it is. And there is this laser, it's kind of like a magic hair removal wand type pen or something. And it connects to a machine in the corner of the room and there's like a hose and there's an esthetician in there. It's an esthetician that does the laser hair removal for you. And they put this cooling gel on your skin and it also protects, it's a gel to also protect the skin itself from getting burned by the laser. God, it sounds so awful, but it wasn't that awful. And then 
they go also attached to the laser is this other little kind of like nubbin that goes above it, which is a fan and the fan blows freezing cold air out of it. And I will tell you what, I've never been hypothermic, but I have to imagine that is what my vagina would feel like if I was hypothermic because I've never been so cold down there in my entire life. The cool, the cold was almost as painful as the hot, if you can imagine, if you can believe it. By the way, if you hear a fan going on in the background here, it is... I think it's the heater. I'm at my mother-in-law's house right now. I had to get out of my house. I have my babysitter there with the kids. And my husband's working from home. And I can't get shit done. So I came here today. And it's delightful. But there's a heating fan on. So my apologies. But just fucking roll with it, okay? Anyway, that's the process. Some parts. So I got the sides done, the bikini line in in a little bit, and then like underneath as well, which is the Brazilian style. I didn't go all everything, but like you know, all un- if you go under, that's goes into Brazilian territory. That's that's what I'll say about that. And I will say that. The part which I expected to hurt the most, which is the under part, didn't actually necessarily hurt the most. I felt like the sides were really painful. Um, I mean, and by really painful, I mean it, it hurt, but it was tolerable. And you take little breaks. You can have a little break. You need a break from the cool as much as you do from the hot, as I was saying. But it feels like um, people, they describe it as saying it's like an elastic, a rubber band snapping on your skin. It is a bit like that. I felt like it was a bit more just like a little bit of a burning situation with a really cold fan blowing on you, which is exactly what it is. And that's what it felt like. But you have to go three times. So the first time I did this, I was like, I think the first is the worst because you just have to get over the hump of doing it. It's almost like your first child, right? Like you're the, now we know what it's like. Um, we could do it again if we have to. And I signed up for three rounds, is what, which is what they recommend. And I also signed myself up for my armpits because I'm getting older and I already miss spots under my armpits when I'm shaving my hair there. And societal constructs have made it so that women can't have hair. And why should we even, why should I even feel like weary or embarrassed at all of talking about laser hair removal when I can't buy a bathing suit that is, I could even wear without doing some type of hair removal procedure. Okay. We, we, it's okay to talk about it, but what I, what I'm going to tell you about is my reduction of hair the first on my first round of hair removal was good because I'm apparently a good candidate for it because I have light colored skin and dark colored hair. And for whatever reason, the contrast between the skin and the hair is makes it more effective. I'm a rapid responder to laser hair removal. Okay. Lucky me. I'm pumped about it, but you know, I, like I said, I have the armpit situation. I don't want, you know, I don't need like a, it looks like I miss these patches. Sometimes it looks like I have a fade, like an armpit hair fade. And I don't want that. That's not a look I'm going for. So I went straight for the armpit laser hair removal too. And I'm really, I'm just very 
excited to finally be underway with this process. And I do resent the fact that we have to go through like this painful process to do hair removal because women's bathing suits were designed to show our cha-cha hair. You know, why couldn't we have some shorts like men do? I'm not saying I even really want to wear shorts at the beach, but I... I don't know. That's a it's a whole nother topic we could dive down another time, but the hair removal, I will say I already noticed a, I said I noticed a good re- reduction in the hair. I was red for a couple days after. So, and you're not supposed to be in the sun before or after laser hair removal. So, you have to just be careful or plan it around your sun exposure. Now, I was going to Miami three days later. Apparently, my laser people said it was okay. I don't notice any problems there. But I think like the majority of the skin was mostly covered by my, my bathing suit. So, you know, throw a sarong on or whatever if you need to do it and it's the summertime for the day. Anyway, that's really all I have to say about laser hair removal. That's the end of that process, but I, I highly recommend it. I'm really excited to not have to worry about shaving or waxing. I find waxing to be pretty painful, so if I don't have to wax anymore after this, or at least for a while, you know, then then that's a win. That's a big win for me. Last topic of anxiety for uh, people wanted to talk about anxiety. I guess it's a hot topic. It's certainly a topic that I discuss from time to time on my Instagram as it affects me in life daily. Um, and You know, I go through periods where it's very ramped up, it's very high, it's like roaring fire, and then I go through periods where it's very low and it's just the embers of the fire and maybe something will trigger me in an event um, that will just throw fucking gasoline on that fire. And I think it's gotten worse and better in ways since I've become an adult. It's like it's worse because I understand it more and it affects me more, but it's better because I understand it more as a feeling. Um, And, you know, the last several years for me have not been measured so much in like traditional metrics of hours equating to days, equating to weeks, eventually to months and years, but kind of by two major life events and the way that my anxiety has changed through these two major life events is, um, you know, it's, it's been, it's been more intense than I can remember it for most of my life. And those two things, um, and it's funny because we talk about the passage of time so often in raising kids, you know, long versus short and, and the days are long, but the years are short and everybody, you know what, like fucking, I don't know what it is. It's different for everyone. And, but, but what I, what I'm trying to spit out here eventually is that these two major life events have really been the metrics of time for me in, in my life as a mother, at least since 2016 for the first major event was the cancer diagnosis of my oldest son, um, in December, 2016, which he finished up in March of 2020, 
2020, where we launched, you know, straight into this global pandemic. And both of those life events have really stolen from us and from me in nearly equal terms, um, which is interesting because I think most people would think that, you know, the cancer diagnosis and the cancer treatment would be much worse, but I think it's like the compounding effect of these two things and and the pandemic on top of that, which had really triggered me to go into bad spirals of anxiety over the years. And my anxiety is really focused much more on health-related issues, but sometimes I think that it really comes down to control and if I, if something happens in life that makes me feel out of control, um, like a pandemic for, for instance, then my health anxieties reappear in some ways. So like with COVID, I wasn't actually afraid of COVID itself because my family was getting firsthand information from some of the best doctors in the world in real time, reassuring us that COVID was really not a threat for children at all and not even for immune compromised children. All children across the board was children across the board were really having good outcomes up against COVID. And that was like a thank God, hallelujah moment for me. But what, what really also made me feel so anxious about it, it was that our lives were changing again at a time where I was so desperate for life to return to normal. Um, after having just endured a little more than three years, like three and a quarter years of this cancer treatment that everything was put on hold. And then I saw everything get put on hold again. And it just made me feel so out of control. And so I guess it feels like so much to digest when I think about these things and what they mean and the way that they've affected me in my anxiety. But maybe the best lesson I could learn here is more on the acceptance of what the world brings to me rather than trying to control it. Like regardless of the feelings of joy or pain imposed by certain events to just accept them without overemphasis on their meaning. And that's a really hard thing to do, to just take something for what it is and not overassign meaning for, you know, the future or, you know, you know, this happened because that once happened or this is happening because this is going to happen and over signalizing these events and catastrophizing things. And that is my problem. And I, and it's a life lesson for me. And I think that recognizing it, but it's a constant reminder and something that I have to work on and I have to work on it more when I'm in the embers stage, I think, than when I'm in the roaring fire stage in order to kind of keep it there. But as I mentioned, my anxiety so frequently relates to health and I pretty much take everything to the extreme when I'm in these fiery stages of my angst and essentially any slightly unusual health issue that pops up in my mind, I automatically wonder and also need to rule it out being some kind of terminal cancer. Like it all comes back to terminal cancer before I can, you know, 
relax. I need to make sure that I know what this is. I know what this feeling is or what this ailment is in my child. And I need to know where it's coming from and why. And it's, it's, it's wild. It's illogical because I don't even think of other illnesses as extremely. And, you know, if I took history and applied it to the way that I'm feeling, I should know and remind myself and reassure myself that the worst possible outcome is not going to happen. I mean, even when my son got sick, we had the best possible outcome all along. Honestly, he responded really well to treatment. It took a long time. It was painful. It was hard. It was a marathon, but he's okay. Um, and that's really, that's the, the beautiful part of what we went through is that he's healthy. And I think about when I was a kid and when my fears of illnesses came about, because this has been an ongoing thing throughout my life for me. And as an adult, I think I'm finally able to realize, realize because we have so many other life stressors as adults, especially as parents, and life is so precious with children and, and more scary because of how precious it is in so many ways that some of the stressors that I face trigger me. And I think that's something that a lot of us face, but not many of us talk about as much because it sounds so extreme sometimes to the point of almost crazy and illogical, but it's what I feel often and I'm working on it. I actually found this really cool doctor on Instagram called Dr. Kieran. She focuses on health anxiety and I'm going to ask her to be on my next podcast episode. So hopefully she says yes, because I would love to dive deeper into this topic. But in any event, I know a lot of us face a lot of anxiety as mothers and young mothers. And, and I think that, you know, chaos creates anxiety in life and life with young children and children in general is, is very chaotic and therefore, you know, can, can trigger anxiety and that kind of thing. And wherever your anxiety is focused, I hope that by listening to anything that I've said about the way I feel about anxiety has been able to help you identify it as a feeling and not a, a precursor to something awful that's going to actually happen. Um, because we need to look on the fucking bright side for God's sake. Anyway, that is all I really have to say today. I know that was a lot of jibber jabber, a lot of random shit, but sometimes it's fun to just shoot the shit with the girls um, or by yourself sitting in your mother-in-law's house, whatever, whatever it might be. So I wish some of you were here with me actually, so we could keep talking. But for now, um, I will let you go. Enjoy the rest of your day. Have a great night's sleep whenever the fuck you're listening to this. Who knows? And if you did enjoy this I would be super appreciative if you gave me a five-star rating on my podcast. Um, and if you didn't like it and you were going to give me a one-star rating, then fuck off. Okay. I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you're looking for any of the resources from the episode, you can check them out in show notes. Again, if you liked listening, I'd love it for you to subscribe. Until next time, peace out.